Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to the Network Show. And not just any Network Show, folks. We're finally, after all this long wait, whole whole weeks, I guess whole months maybe even, we're finally going to talk about tennis. I know that we usually don't get too big of a break, but it does feel like a long time. Joining me, as always, from the other side of the country, looking nice there. Can't wait to see which one of his cats comes in to say hi. Spread, how are you? How are things in sunny California? Yeah, they're sunny again, but we finally got some rain. Uh, you know, washed us out a little bit. But more importantly, tennis is back. Although I, I feel like I feel blind going into this event. I mean, not a lot of preparation we can do. You know, I'm not on I'm not on the gram, so I don't even know what a lot of these players have been doing all off season. But I'm ready to go and uh, you know take my best hack at it. Or hey, did you like him calling it the gram, trying to sound young there? I mean, I don't have Instagram, so even I'm too old for that at this point. <laughs> no, it's just a I don't. How are, how are you? How are things up north? Have, I mean, do we have rain anymore up there, or is it just snow? Well, you know, as we are wont to do, Spread and I were chatting about the weather, because that's what everyone does in casual conversation. <laughs> and it's, uh, you know, minus some of the minus four degrees areas, so I put that in American form. Something like 25 degrees. For you guys, I think that's cold. For me, I think it's perfectly temperate in January, so I'm a happy camper. We got to talk about the weather. It's to keep spread comfortable, Jorge. It's an old people thing. We got to like warm them into it. Anyway, let's jump in. We've got a women's tournament in Abu Dhabi. It's um, a Masters, I guess now. So this is actually a thousand points. Is that correct, gentlemen? Do we finally no, 500. get back to five hundred? Yeah. Oh, is it just a five hundred? Darn it! Never mind. Though. Just a five hundred. Can we, we have start by congratulating them for actually uh, having a, a system that makes sense? What was it? I mean, 470 and 900. And yeah, I mean, this is so much better. You don't miss all the premieres, the premier mandatories, the premieres, the premier fives. Now, now the points don't change if I'm understanding this change correctly. It's just the names are easier to follow. But I think so, wait, what they were saying was the amount uh, of points. Yeah, 470. This oh, one right here, if you look at the uh, I'm on the draw right now, you scroll to the bottom, the winner gets 470 points. So well, maybe I was points are still the same, them. Uh, but they don't need to confuse quick. people anymore. Well, okay. <laughs> tennis is going to tennis. And if you ever wonder how dumb <laughs> tennis is, just go to WTA.com. Yeah. <laughs> We've got 64 yeah. women. Um, let's jump in pretty quickly here. First quarter, Sophia Cannon is the one seed. Uh, she's here. Siegman, Flipkins, Krejcikova, Putin, Seva, Zachary, Coco, Goff, Sashnovich, Garbina, Muguruza, a pretty nice group of players there in the first quarter. Um, Jorge, why don't you break it down for us here and let us know, you know what names are popping for you, where do you see value, and, and why is this quarter attackable for you? I was going to use that exact word. Um, attackable is, is probably the way to go. Your two top seeds, Cannon and Muguruza, I think, both players who could very well win this outright, um, but both players who on their day can, can be defeated or Kennan, since her uh, Aussie Open winner, at least until, or for a lot of uh, the tournaments afterwards, was was tending to go up fairly early. So I think uh, this is a spot where I want to oppose her, especially when she's either favorite or second favorite, I think, depending on your book, um, where you're looking. But I think Muguruza is the one high seed here you you can kind of back uh, cautiously, be, only because she's 15 to 1. Um, but I think the two, there's plenty of players to look at uh, that are at much higher numbers that are consistent enough to stick with just about anyone. Someone like Yulia Putin-Seva um, and someone like Barbara Krejcikova, both in that uh, Sophia Kennan section of the draw, uh, if you will. And there isn't, there aren't a lot of players up there that you'll see before the quarterfinals that are exceptionally hard hitters that could just blow them off the court. Kennan qualifier, 
Um, and we know the qualifier field here is what I think 254 and somewhere on 250 um, is the top seed there. So, so no one coming out of that is going to be uh, scaring you. Laura Siegmund, uh, Kirsten Flipkins, Krejcikova, Jess, uh, Jamie Loeb, uh, Martina Trevisan, and Putin Seva. You look at that little section there. That's a very, very attackable segment. Uh, and either Sophia Kennan's going to walk through it, or she could have a lot of problems with a player like Putin Seva or Krejcikova, uh, who are likely to play each other in the second round. But whoever would emerge from that if they get there would, I think, could pose a lot of problems for Kennan. So I'm intrigued by both of their prices. Krejcikova 60 to 1, Putin Seva 75 to 1. I think. I'm going to uh, back Putin Seva just because that extra $15 uh, presents a lot of value uh, for me because, I, you know, Krejcikova has really improved on hard courts and she's really improved her singles game. It's something she's, she worked on at the ITF level a lot over the last few years uh, while she was, you know, probably tops in the world in, in doubles um, with her countrywoman Katarina Senyakova. So when, when she worked on her singles game and got better on hard courts, um, it, she's she's going to be a lot better of an opponent for Putin Seva, but I, I still think Putin Seva and her are pick them there. And so if I'm projecting them into that that matchup as as I am, I, you'd think the value is with the the player with the far a higher price. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. I like all those names. Um, Muguruza was the one that stuck out to me. She's fifteen to one here, and I find it interesting. I mean, she is. Pretty far behind Kennan there at eight to one, and I think that match is really a toss-up. I think what we're looking at maybe is a little overreaction from the market in terms of Kennan's world ranking, Kennan's Grand Slam win, and when you go back to look at the head-to-head, which is Jorge's absolute favorite way to handicap, you see that Muguruza <laughs> is um, down 0-2 in that. Uh, now both of them are three setters, and I think that's just throwing things off here. So I'm jumping on board. I like Muguruza a lot. Um, Krejcikova is someone I'm going to look to attack match to match. I love what you said there. Her game has really grown. I think. Um, she's one of the players that had kind of a nice end to 2020 in terms of winning a lot of matches and kind of expanding her singles game. Someone that's more known for her doubles work with Sinia Kova there. Um, I don't know if I'm going to bet the outrights there. Again, it's tough because, like you said, at some point they meet each other. I wonder if there's almost one of those spots where you kind of start like the money line rollover late or something. Um, I wonder if there's a better way to kind of attack this. But I love the spot for Muguruka. She's got Mladenovic, Sastovic, and then the winner probably is Zachary Coco Goff. And not that those are easy matches, but she's going to be a favorite in all those matches. And I think that's actually kind of a good way for her to start the season. Mladenovic is someone she should beat as long as she's not making errors. Sastovic is someone she should beat probably without too much trouble. And then Zachary and Goff, you know, that might be a tough match. She might get worked a little bit there, but I, I think she's actually going to have a nice warm up there and probably, you know, looking to beat Cannon. Spread, what do you see when you look at this first quarter? Well, yeah, I think uh, the first two matches you mentioned is why we're seeing the um, discrepancy in prices, just because, you know, like you said, you know, it's a good start for, her, but I think I'd much rather play a qualifier who's uh, ranked 254 or worse or Sigmund and Flipkins, rather than having to go through Lindenovich and Sasnovich, both who have red line potential um, that could basically throw her off. And then, of course, um, Coco Goff, she made huge strides last offseason, and we're coming in with no form. Uh, she's a player that I would, and I'm just guessing, but I'm guessing worked on her game. It's going to come in um, maybe with some new wrinkles and maybe more improved than any of the other players in this quarter. So I think that that price accurately reflects um, – the fact that, that Muguruza has a tougher path, but at the same price, I completely agree where let's take the value there that too, because Muguruza has a red line potential. So even if they're playing their best, if Muguruza is playing her best, she can still beat all of them. So I, I, I agree with what you guys are doing here. 
All right, so I like Muguruza there. Um, Jorge is going to jump on Craig and, and Poots as well. Um, any other thoughts, gentlemen, on the first quarter before we jump into the second? We've got Sabalenka, Herzog, Tabuljanovic. Um, we've got a couple Wongs here, a Yafan Wong. There's a Jiang Wong. Alms Jabor, Pavel Yuchegova, Mahova. Kovinic is kind of a fun young player. Um, one of Spread's cats. And uh, Elena Rybakina. Spread, you know, <laughs> since we've got one of your actual cats here in the draw, why don't you take this quarter, break it down for us, and you know, let us know what's kind of sticking out from you. Where do you see value here, if any? All right, and I'm so we start with Sabalenka, right? I, I think it's going to be hard for us to get on her from an outright perspective at all this year in 2021 unless she goes through some major slide um, because she's been priced quite accurately in the market, and it's really hard to find value on her, especially as a player who um, can be kind of inconsistent. So I think it's going to be tough to, to be backing Sabalenka outrights here. Of course, we'll be watching her from match to match, and especially if she looks good in round one. Um, you know, maybe even laying some threads with her stuff because she's dominant when she's on form. But I went ahead and crossed that name out. Um, Tom Lonovich is one that I'm looking at from an outright perspective. Wong, the, all the Wongs could have potential, but here's a nut where not knowing the court speed and how these courts play, basically I threw them out just because I don't really know. I mean, if it's really quick surface, I, I would not be happy having that ticket in my pocket. Um, Ons Jabor is probably the closest we're going to have for for home home court or home field advantage um, basically and but all she's really going to get is just being familiar with the time zone how much that helps it could help a lot in the first round but i'm assuming with all these quarantines that everyone's there and they are settled in so i don't know if it's going to be the same as people flying in and, and trying to adjust to a new time zone overnight then we get to the one that i really like and that's muhova you know a player that really improved last year and we had a lot of fun back in her and i don't think the market's caught up yet i see 25 to 1 there I'm going to go ahead and take a shot on that one. Um, Donka Kovinic is, is a nice player, but, I, you know, it's one of those things. And then we're going to get a Wong or a Dasha, probably a Wong. And, you know, so Muhova doesn't have the, the toughest path there. And then she would meet the other woman who I'd be interested in backing this round, and that's uh, Rybakina, just a player who consistently gives the best effort. Um, great serve, you know, a lot of power. And if she's on form, you know, really is a threat to win the tournament here too. So even though it's weird that my two favorites are coming out of the same little section here, the same eighth of the draw, uh, these are the two that I thought had the most value there. So that's what I'm looking at for this one. Yeah, I like what you said about court speed. We don't know exactly what things are going to look like here. Um, you know, Wang Xiang, I think, actually has a chance to win two matches here, which is why I kind of got away from Mahova. I thought that some of her numbers actually last year, I was surprised how much better they looked than Mahova's. Mahova really struggled last year. And again, it might have been the COVID stuff. You know, for part of the year, you go back and watch some of those matches. Um, she didn't look like she was in her best shape, if you will. Um, Rybakin is an interesting pick. I like that. You have Sabalenka, of course, my favorite. She always has a chance to win. But um, you know, Jorge, why don't you jump in and talk about this quarter a little bit, um, and then I kind of have a general question uh, before we jump into the third for you guys. This this feels like, to me, a quarter where um, you really want to look at these individual matchups. I mean, if you get the wrong qualifier, or should I say right qualifier in this spot uh, to play Rybakina, I think you could really um, hope for like a minus five and a half game line that should be somewhere around minus eight, uh, depending on who comes through and gets placed there and you could find some great value. There's, there's times where you'll find, um, you know, the, 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 the books will end up listing people around minus five and a half thinking that is this huge uh, uh, spread that's tough to overcome in tennis. And then um, even if it goes three, you'll end up with a six, one, five, seven, six love kind of match. 
Um, but that's going to be an interesting spot. I think Roos and Ji Wang, it'll be very fun to see uh, how they open that one up. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to see if we can get uh, – some big plus money on Ji Wong after the nice uh, run Arancha Roos had, or she had a few decent uh, tournaments, I believe, towards the end of last year. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Mahova is the one I could potentially be talked into. I'm going to lay off this quarter. Um, but yeah, I think, again, that those individual matchups can be a lot of fun. Um, it's like Jabor and Pavlyuchenko was another one. So uh, that's probably more the, the angle I'm going to look to attack here for this quarter as opposed to uh, any outright prices. Yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, again, just my quick thoughts. I, I like the Rybakina pick spread. I think that she's a good chance to win this tournament. I just don't like that her price is less than Muguruza. I mean, if they're playing each other in the semifinal, Muguruza is a favorite there. So um, I'll kind of pass there. Um, you know, again, Mahova, I think that's just kind of a tough draw. Um, what I did want to ask you guys, though, Spread, you made an interesting comment about this being you know, a pretty level playing field in terms of travel, in terms of expectations. Everyone seems to have been here for a little while. Everyone is kind of coming off from the same break based on some of the social media homework I've done. It seems like everyone's been playing a little bit of tennis and things like that um, from a motivation perspective. Everybody has a reason to be here and play well. Maybe some of the smaller players might be thinking about qualifying. And But all your serious contenders here are locked into the Australian Open. If they win this tournament, they have plenty of time to travel to Australia and get through that qualifying process. Um, so we have maybe one of the more level playing fields of all time in terms of all that kind of stuff. Um, but we don't have any form. You know, so as you guys know, a lot of times we talk about tennis, we talk a lot about fatigue spots, travel spots, we talk about form and things like that. Um, you know, so I'll start with you, Jorge. How are you kind of adjusting and approaching this tournament from you know, kind of a higher level, from a more macro handicapping perspective? What elements are, are you looking for here? I mean, I'm, I'm, I think last year I was uh, generally a little cautious in my staking, but it's a lot like uh, almost every other season, unless I see a, a price where even in the first week where you don't have much to go on, unless it's egregious, uh, everything is is pretty much a standard staking of uh, one unit. And I know some people do that anyway. I know a lot of people are more predisposed to everything should be uh, one U. Uh, I tend to be more on the, the greater edge I see on a price, the more I want to attack it. You know, the, the if they're going to give you, if the book's going to give you a great, great edge on the opener then you need to maximize it because they're not going to do it every time right so um but in this spot i think this is the ultimate tournament where you i think you should be looking to stick to um a fairly uh, i don't know flat staking i guess uh kind of philosophy throughout the week unless again there is something egregious uh like a pick em is lined as like a plus you know 200 uh, in that case, you can you can turn around and, and attack it a little harder, but uh, but that's what I'm looking for here is is just to find some value in a price and not get carried away too early on an unknown uh, surface speed. Spread mentioned that in prep. Um, that's another big unknown until we get through at least I'd say the first round entirely. We need to see all 32 uh, first round matches, and and I don't know if I'll be able to watch qualifiers because even if they're streamed live, I won't be awake. It being in the Middle East, and if they're um, not on WTA TV, then I won't be able to watch them on demand. So I, I, I want to see the whole first round uh, and see which courts are and how they're playing before I even get remotely close to wagering anything large. Yeah, it's um, right. Again, the other wrinkle, it's the first time we've seen everybody for a while. So spread as you think about all those, those different impacts, um, you know, what are you looking at? You know, are you going to try to be aggressive maybe because sometimes when it's in, there is less known, you have a chance maybe for some more value, but at the same time, I know that you're someone that really likes to watch these players and get a feel for how they look. How are you approaching this week, um, and what are you looking to attack for and, and avoid? Yeah, I mean, there was a reason when the first round prices weren't out. I didn't really think we should postpone the pod, and that's because I don't know 
how much, unless there's an egregious mispricing, which will probably only be around for 10 minutes by the time Jorge and Vinny are done with it, right? But, um, <laughs> you know. It's uh, nice. It's nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, yeah. Don't want to take him out of there. But um, Jerks in your pinnacle. <laughs> your cool I, I, bets. Yeah. I'm not looking hard. to do a lot. I, that's why I grabbed a couple of, of the ones that I consider to be more long shots, like greater than 10 to 1. You know, I got 25 to 1 on Mahova, and I think that's all I'm going to do um, for this first round, unless I see something that just seems outrageous, just because, boy, it seems like it's going to be a lot of, of guess and check. Whereas, say, even by round three, we're going to have tape. We're going to know the court speed. We're going to have an idea of form, idea of offseason preparation. So I think, you know, for the very first round, I'm going to be as timid as a church mouse, but by round three, I think I'll be ready to fire. Yeah, me too. I think I'm going to be uh, timid like a church house. That's my style. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, we, don't ex- we don't expect that, uh, Jorge. But, uh... You mean I'm not a timid person, really? <laughs> yeah, I love what you guys said there. Trying to start the week slow, you know, focus on trying to attack bigger edges than maybe you normally do. And, you know, in kind of a weird way, it's, it's a little nicer. We actually have a little less homework to do until we get some film and we see how these guys play. So um, all, a lot of really good thoughts there. You know, take your time. Uh, make sure you get a chance to watch some of these guys, but don't, don't be afraid. There, there are going to be some edges here this week as we pop into it. Um, as we continue, we'll go through the third quarter here. Vondrasova, Suwe Shea, uh, Kostik's in there for Na- Layla Fernandez, Tamara Zidancic, but unfortunately it's not on clay. Uh, Brady, Vekic, uh, a trash can, Podoroska, uh, and Karolina Pliskova, the greater. It's kind of an interesting quarter, pretty messy here. Normally, I would be looking to attack any quarter with Karolina Pliskova in it. I know that she has Sasha buying, and he's real great, and it's going to be great. Wow. She's finally going to be great, win tournaments, and not be a complete flake. Um, I, I'm going to wait until it actually happens, and I, I think that – you know, again, normally I'd really like to attack the quarter here. The name that I had circled when I saw the player list was Jennifer Brady. You go and look at the price. She's 10 to 1, and damn it, that's probably just about right. Um, you know, She's got Zidancic in the first round. Shouldn't be a problem there. Fernandez might work her a little bit, but Brady is much more talented. She should take care of Andrasova or even Shea or Kostyuk, whoever is, is sitting there in that next spot. And then it's probably Brady Pliskova. I think Podoroska actually has a chance to be there. She's someone I'm going to be looking to bet more. Well, Talk about that. Maybe we get to some of the individual matches there. But Brady has a nice chance to win this quarter, and we'll get to the fourth quarter. We don't, we maybe don't think as highly of that from a top-end talent perspective. So nice spot for Jennifer Brady. But a 10-to-1, um, that's really tough. You know, Again, Pliskova is the favorite to win the tournament, or Tide is the favorite to win the tournament with Sabalenka. The few places outrights are open. Uh, <laughs> pass. Hard pass on that. Um, Brady's in there too, right? Brady's at yeah, a lot. Like, Brady's ten to one again, which to me feels kind of kind of right. Fourth. That's you know, if I was taking bets, I'd probably hang that number. I mean, Jorge, what do you see here? Is there anything to attack? Because you know, I know we talked pre-show. I don't think any of the three of us really had something here, but you know, why don't you give us your quick thoughts on you know maybe why you're not attacking some of these spots? Since you know, again, I don't think we any of us are excited about anyone here. I just think that, I mean, like, you, you, I think you summed up that little section for Brady perfectly. Zidancic shouldn't trouble her too much on hard courts. Uh, Paulini and Fernandez, mainly returners, but she'll eat both their serves. And, I mean, she's got a great serve herself. If she has, you know, she only need two or three serving games with high uh, for serve percentages and she'll hold. And then she might break 60 to 70% of time of the time against either of those women. So, um, you know, she should really cruise through to the next round. Vondrasova is just, you know, outside of, you know, making a, a big run or a, a long run into a, a high level tournament here and there is just so, so prone to upsets. 
I wouldn't be surprised if Sue Shea took her out. I wouldn't be surprised if Koshu took her out. It'd be, it's going to be a tough path for her to get to that third round. So um, I think Brady at 10 to one is probably actually a, 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 a smart price from the books. They need to limit the exposure there because she could really run rough shot into the quarters. Um, and the same goes for Pliskova. Although I think Vekic at 75 to one, I know that you like Vekic to lose in the second round of Podoroska, but Boy, if she gets to that third round, I mean, it's it'll be tough to go through Pliskova and Brady, but because they're such heavy favorites, I mean, that lead that that correlation um, has you know Vekic with potentially showing a ton of value, um, and I think maybe while they try and limit their exposure on on the two big dogs um, in this quarter, they might have uh, opened a path if Vekic is on the top of her game and serving well, she can she can take either Pliskova or Brady. Uh, if they're surfaced to two long sets. And then if you can get them into 50, 50 spots like that, you're really liking uh, your chances holding a 75 to one ticket there. So I think that might be something you can exploit. Uh, not overly keen on it. Cause you know, Donna winning tournaments is not something that happens um, at a level uh, at a tournament with this many good players in it. So I'll probably pass there, but that's something I might look at if I were to have to choose. If that could just someone that I'm going to be down on here at the beginning of the season, because I had a really rough year last year, again, a lot of, of extenuating circumstances, but was right around 500 on hard courts. I'm seeing with a whole break, a little less than a hundred. Um, that's kind of average. And, and I think she's getting, you know, maybe some more respect there. Like you said, you know, 75 to one might be a little bit of value, frankly, if she can kind of go back and summon some of the form that we saw in the years where, you know, she had that whole break up in the one Oh five to even one ten range. Yeah, that could be a great number. But for me, that's that's kind of a wait and see. Spread anything to add here on the third quarter. Yeah, I just want a nitpick, and now I'll get really uh, nitty here. Uh, is Layla Fernandez, is Jennifer Brady really more talented than Layla Fernandez? Like, just pure talent? Like, I, I, I would no, say she's I, more skilled, but Layla's fast. You're going to really regret having said this on a recording at some point later in your life. Yeah, this is that's, that's odd. No, because I was going to say at this point in time, yes. Absolutely, um, especially on a hardcore. Layla's got a high, such higher potential, and if it's slower, I mean, her ground strokes are so effortless. She's she, her court movement is so quick. Like, how yeah, much better even, can Jennifer Brady get? Whereas, like Layla's got this huge ceiling. The problem is, uh, well, she doesn't. Uh, that's the thing is, I think even if Brady's approaching her ceiling, um, Layla's just not at that level yet, and we'll need to get to her ceiling before she really challenges in this spot. Even on a slow court, the problem for Layla is she's going to have to hold serve at some point. Unless Snoops gets his, you know, long-awaited, coveted uh, twelve-break set, and it gets to a tie-break, I mean, who's more likely to to, to break serve there in, in that match? It's a hundred percent Jennifer Brady. Um, no, I'm not talking about the match in general. I'm just talking about like the talent, like being born oh, with tennis talent. That I mean, that oh, that's that's where I got to throw the cliche that everyone hates out there and say time Let's will hear. tell. <laughs> all right. <laughs> well, that's all I think I really you're right, Jorge. <laughs> with the age discrepancy, it's tough. But I, I, I think Brady is far and away better than, than Fernandez is at this point. I'm start trying point, to. Yes, I would agree. But just because she has so much speed, so much court coverage, and I just love the way her ground strokes look. All she really has to do is develop like a passable serve. I mean, and she could just be a terror. Whereas like Brady, like how much better is she ever going to get? Like, who do you so, think is more likely to win a Grand Slam? By the time their careers are over, probably Layla, especially with the French. Yeah, I'll just take Fernandez because you have more time, but I, neither. Okay, and I'll I'm being real nitpicky, so we'll we'll go to, we'll go to the. I'll take the draw order. at zero. <laughs> big odds draw, big odds. All right, all right. <laughs> more likely right, to be a semifinalist, Brady. 
I think so. I think Brady could definitely make a run at yeah. at either the U.S. Open or even the Australian Open. I yeah. I really like her game. I think she probably has a she's open maybe a two to three year window here where she has a chance to be competitive at that level, at least okay. win a quarter in one of those. Yeah. Um. I mean, didn't she just already make a semi? I think she. That's a great question. She was in the quarter. Really good. I like when we talk about stuff like it hasn't already happened. I'm pretty sure she already made a semi this year. Because I can remember ESPN gushing when she lost. She lost to Osaka. It was out of the quarter of the semi. Yeah, One of the I other. think you're right. It was she was close. Um, yeah, it was the semi. Yeah, she's already made a semi. So I see. Wonderful. Fred trying to trick us into saying Layla. That was a trap question. That was a trap question. Trap yeah. line. Well, we have to remember that it's you know it's hard for him to remember things at this point. He's been alive for five six hundred years. Yeah. All right, let's jump into the final quarter here. The fourth quarter, we've got Elise Mertens, <laughs> Sevastova, Bedosa, Kudermatova, Kontavate, Alexandrova, um, Zvonareva, I just like saying her name, Pagula, and Alita, Svitolina. Jorge, take it away. How are you attacking this quarter? What are you seeing here? A lot of fun names. This, this could be one of the more entertaining kind of chunks of, of the draw, I think. Well, if we're gonna if we're gonna break it down um, again, try and and look at a way and an angle to attack the top two seeds, right? <laughs> uh, but we want to attack the the top two seeds, and their their vulnerabilities are very similar, right? They're both very talented, um, you know, baseliners. Both love returning, very de- uh, very good defensively. Merritt's has far more, obviously, in terms of being able to attack than Svitolina does, uh, but both are very very vulnerable um, to bigger hitters of the ball. And that's where I think someone like Ekaterina Alexandrova comes in uh, to this spot. Now, she's very error-prone, but we're talking about the WTA Tour, so what big hitter is not very error-prone? And I think that that, this could serve her well. I think her path through Diaz and then either Watson or a qualifier uh, isn't too intimidating. And again, if she can hit her way through Svitolina and Mertens, which is the path to victory against both of them, and she happens to have the weapons to do just that, um, all of a sudden, I think 50 to one, I think she's probably my, you know, third favorite to reach the semis out of this uh, quarter, but she's not nearly as far behind Svitolina and Maritans as the books have her. So definite value in Alexandrova. That'll be my only ticket from, uh, from the bottom quarter. Yeah, I like that as well. I'm going to be on Alexandrova. Um, and as much as I was born to bet Kudamatova outright, <laughs> I have a ticket upstairs um, for her. I think I've already got it at the Australian Open at like 200 to one or something. Love that. Love that. Look at it every once in a while. I'm really excited about that. <laughs> it's not going to win, but it's just my favorite. She's 80 to 1 here. Um, love this draw. I think she beats Contivate here in the first match. Um, curious to see when we get to the first round of matches what you think the line is going to be there. I'm excited to bet her there. Uh, but the problem is that she has to beat Mertens and Alexandrova, where Alexandrova really only has to beat Mertens or Kudermatova. So, you know, the difference between that 50 and the 80 there to me isn't a wide enough gap for me to be excited in both. Happy to take Alexandrova at 50 to 1. Um, first two matches are kind of easy. Then she has Pagula, maybe Svitolina there. Shouldn't really be too much trouble for her if she's playing her best tennis and is still healthy. And then the Mertens match would be interesting, but I think that's a spot where I might even double down on Alexandrova, frankly, if she's plus money there, even if I have the outright. So like her at 50 to 1. Spread, what do you think of this bottom quarter? I think this is the only quarter where you have something you can count on, and that's Elise Mertens showing up, ready to go, and will beat players that, that she should beat. So I actually kind of like her, her here at 12 to 1. And then I think you said it before the show, and I think it's perfect – uh, analogy you said that she's basically the measuring stick on whether or not you're a top 10 player so 
right? Because if you're not a top 10 player, she beats you. So it's a great opportunity for Alexandrova to prove she should be in the top 10. And if anyone's got top 10 potential, it's her. Now the question is, will she get there? Because Fidelina is a player that if you don't play your perfect game, um, she, you know, she's going to go ahead and take advantage of that, and, and you're not, you're not going to pass her. You're, you know, you're just not going to defeat her. Now, she is one of the few that even though I'm not hip and I'm not on the ground, it seems like she had a great offseason. I don't know how much tennis she played. So I would be uh, – that's why I'm like uh, – I'd be uh, curious to see. Um, <laughs> I, I wouldn't be anxious to back her here. But, you know, she's, she's so good that she could uh, go ahead and, and just steamroll through this. But I like Mertz at 12-1 to 1 in, this, in this section. Yeah, um, I, I like what you said there. One of the things I, I think of, actually, both of the measuring sticks for me are playing in this tournament. Elise Mertens, to me, is, like you said, Spray, if you're really, really good, you beat Elise Mertens. Like, if you're a top 10, top 15 talent, that's a match you win. And honestly, you probably win pretty handily. Like, when she loses those, they're yeah. quick matches. Those guys cover big spreads against her. But if you're not, you get a thumping. Like, she's... Yeah. She, works through that pretty quickly. Then my other player, I'm curious to see how you guys feel about this. I think we've talked about it before. Uh, for me, Aleksandra Sasnovich is like the lower level measuring stick. If you're good at tennis, you're going to beat her. If you're bad at tennis, she's just going to smoke you. And I don't know if that's like a top 75, top 50 kind of marker, but she seems to just you know be kind of like that poor man's version of Mertens. What do you think about that? I, uh, I agree somewhat, but Sasnovich does kind of have those red line roller coasters. Yeah. Yeah, and she has them in more extreme than, you know, situations than most WTA players, and that's saying something because they all have those uh, roller coaster right, moments. Right. But uh, before I get into Sastovich, I just want to acknowledge that twice he said the gram, and I think he's now at the age where he thinks that's like hip. Except <laughs> we'll use the. If, but if he was, it would be TikTok, right? Hasn't no one's told spread about TikTok yet? So we're he's like the gram is still the cool one for him. That's my favorite part about this whole situation. Are the players on? Well, TikTok that's how you know really? he's old because he said the. If you ever want to sound really old, just put the in front of stuff. You know, I heard the kids were on the YouTube. The YouTube they were watching the, the YouTube. videos. The videos on the YouTube. Yeah, see so that. Big one. It, uh, does my hair just look more gray? The twitch uh, is another one, but uh, yeah, no, and but Sastovich, I think that I, I mean. What's her number here? I haven't even looked it up because I never even I never considered. I just for, don't uh, care, right? So you know what? I don't think Unibet has her spread, and that means that Pinnacle definitely won't because they spread fewer players. So um, it's one of those situations where she's in the upon more available upon request section. Put it that way, uh, and with good reason um, because she just she could win six love six love one day and lose six one six two the next. Uh, very very uh, streaky like that. So not much. Uh, not much I like in terms of Sastovich here, although it would be it would be something if she could, um, you know, if she in that bottom uh, bottom quarter. I'm trying to look. Where is she here? Where is where did she go? Who Sastovich? Yeah, she is in the. I lost her. Second. Yeah, second quarter. first quarter. First quarter. So if she could if she could take out like uh, a Muguruza with a red line match and just, you know, I get one of Putin saver Krejcikova through to the third round of beating Cannon, you know, then I like her a lot. <laughs> She's one of those types of players, you know, like if she can take out the big name on her day, you know, you love to be holding that 75 to one ticket in that same quarter kind of thing. Well, I don't like how you just set me up for the big loss there on my Muguruza outright, right before I'm supposed <laughs> to do the recap here. But any other thoughts, gentlemen, on the outrights before I run through quickly and try to help the people with uh, a little recap of what we like? 
Really? The tennis players are on TikTok? Probably. They're everywhere. <laughs> you know Mofis. You know Mofis and Svitolina, Gem's Life. You There's know at Mofis. least three oh, yeah. apps we don't know sure. about. Asakina, <laughs> your favorite's on TikTok. She just did like an omelet or some sort sure. of like cooking lesson on TikTok two days ago. Oh, and then reposted I'm still on Facebook, which means I'm old, according to my little cousin who's like 12. She's like, yeah, oh, I'm not on, on that. Facebook? I'm not on that for sure. Yeah. All right, let's go through the outrights here. First quarter, we all like Muguruza at 15 to 1. Um, Jorge's on Krejcikova and Putin save at some pretty big numbers. Um, looking at the second quarter, spread likes Rybakina right around 14 to 1. Mahova at 25 to 1. Third quarter, I think we all passed there. And then the fourth quarter, we like Alexandrova 50 to 1. Um, Jorge, I think you've got some Kudermatova 80 to 1. Um, and then spread, you've got Mertens, I think that was 14 to 1. 12 to 1. Yeah. Did I miss anything? No, not for me. All right. Unfortunately, we don't have first round lines. We really wanted to have first round lines here, but we also wanted to get this out for you guys as quickly as possible. So what we'll do, we'll do though, is quickly go through here and just try to touch on, um, you know, basically all the first round matches without qualifiers. You know, guys, just quickly let me know what you think here. Is there going to be a way to attack this match? And we'll start with, you know, we'll just start at the top of the draw and work our way down. Uh, we've got Kennan versus a qualifier, so obviously can't talk there. Kennan will be a huge favorite. That'll be a huge spread. Probably lay it. Um, Sigmund's playing Flipkins there. Uh, Sigmund's going to be a pretty solid favorite there. Something in the minus 200 to 1.5 range, maybe even deeper for me. Um, either one of you have kind of a, a serious thought there. This might be an over for me, maybe an over two and a half sets kind of thing, but I, I don't I think- expect the money line for me to be attackable. I think for me it'll likely be a pass. And when I when I for the next however many matches, thirty matches or so, when I say I'm going to pass on it, it's all contingent on, um, you know, there not being some stupid, you know, underdog that's five to one when they should be, you know, two and a half or three to one. What this would be one of those matches where if the line's anywhere near reasonable, I'll be staying away. Yeah, spread anything to add there on this one? Yeah, I mean, I don't think you're going to have a lot of fun in 2021. Benton Sigmund is a 1.5 favorite. Yeah. Uh, next up is Krejcikova Loeb. This is one of the matches where I met Krejcikova a pretty big favorite here. I'm actually curious to see how the market comes out. Loeb is someone I rate very poorly. Krejcikova is someone I rate pretty well here. So um, I'm excited to see what the price here is. Jorge, have you made a number for this one yet? Do you kind of have a, a feeling or a range? What do you expect maybe this to open? Yeah, I think Krejcikov will be in that minus four to minus four and a half range. If it's anything under four, which you know everyone has, you know, every sport has their key key numbers. That's that's big. If it's three and a half, I mean, you're you're looking at that egregious price you want to hammer. I I, I mean, even five, I wouldn't be upset with. Um, J- Jamie Loeb just very erratic, and Krejcikov is just far too uh, strong defensively, far too good at the net, far too good. Um, Returning wise, far too consistent uh, to do anything here. So if this is in the four and a half to five games range, it'll be perfect. Anything less, even on four games, I think you've got uh, enough of an edge to go ahead and bet Krejcikova. Yeah, if this is four games or less, I'm, I'm going to be really happy to lay the games here. Spread anything to uh, add? I mean, this is just where you know Jorge is a guru that he knows anything about Jamie Loeb's game because I've never seen him <laughs> play before. Next up, we've got Trevisan, Putin, Seva. Putin, Seva, pretty solid favorite here for me. Um, Trevisan, just this is not a good spot for her. Um, this kind of actually feels like one of those matches that it's like a two-hour, 6-1, six, 6-1 one, six, one kind of ordeal somehow. <laughs> um, spread, what do you think Think about this match? I mean, what, what are you expecting? What are you hoping to bet? I mean, what number would you take to I'm not hoping to bet, to bet anything. I'm hoping for awesome gifts. 
because it's been too long for Putin Seva. We need some <laughs> outlandish celebrations. You know, we you know that's what we need here. When the WTA is back, is, is when Putin Seva starts hopping up on my on my timeline in, in some outrageous gifts. So that's what I'm hoping for from this match. Yeah, what do you think here, Jorge? I mean, for me, this seems like a lay the game with Poots. If it's four, if it's five, if it's six, let's sell it. I mean, how, how hard? What are you thinking? Oh, I just, I, Trevor sounds one of those, like she really, really got me at the French Open, even on her own surface. And I just, I think that because Putin Saber doesn't hit, you know, hard, like over, not, I was going to say overly hard, but she's just not a hitter. I, I wonder if Trevor sounds going to find herself hanging around and just scratching out a few games here and there. Uh, undoubtedly, Putin Saber is the favorite here, but I feel like with the, the surface, um, you know, edge that books might overreact a bit. And, you know, make it like a four, four and a half. And I think at that point, I'd, I'd probably pass and just stick to my outright hope for, you know, a four or five, even six game win and just be happy with a smooth win into the second round with Putin Saver, where I'd hopefully get that that matchup of uh, big outright tickets I was hoping for. Yeah, I'm trying to see here because as I start to look at some of my numbers, I don't see a lot of um, non-qualifier WTA level matches. And as I start to look back, I mean, just on hard courts, by the way, I mean, Trevisan really does not play on hard courts at this level very often. And if it is, it looks like basically it's all been qualifier matches and things like that. Um, so I think that she's just really outclassed here. Like you said, she's a real hard worker, but I, I Putin's was not going to get outworked. I mean, it's just she's going to be happy to just smash balls back and maybe she'll get a little bit annoyed, but this is something I'm looking to do where almost one of those handicaps where I'm like, what does Trevisan do better than, you know, Putin Seva? Anything? I was going to say stay mentally grounded, but we've seen her, you know, she loves the back and left handed. She loves shrieking on court. Like, and when her player shrieks, she gets more worked up spreads, right? This is going to be a very, very gifable match. I can't remember <laughs> which which match was it last year where her opponent just started, you know, you know, come on after every point, and then, you know, she's screaming it in in uh, in Italian, and she shrieks, and you could hear it if you were watching a match. I think it was at the French on another court. You could hear uh, Travis <laughs> from the other court because there were very few fans, if any, there as the weeks as the, as the weeks went on. So um, yeah, very gifable match. One one I'll be hoping that Putin Seva can cruise through, but uh, I do think Travis especially if you if you're selling too many games, might might scratch a few out and burn you. Yeah, the only thing actually I, I was pretty hesitant here. I didn't realize Trevor Sound was left-handed, it turns out, and Putin Seva has not actually been the best against lefties. Doesn't have a ton of experience there, but uh, we'll see what the line pops up. We expect Putin Seva to be a big favorite there as we keep going. Zachary against Potapova. Potapova is somebody we like to bet on uh, maybe a year or two ago, and I don't know if she's value here, but um, Zachary probably the big favorite here. Um, spread any thoughts on this match? Uh, I'm going to, this is one of the ones that, you know, everything's on demand. This is one I think you want to see. Um, I, Potapova is someone who definitely, I think has the talent to really do a lot of things in this season. Um, but she's kind of struggled from the mental, the maturity, the growing up. Uh, and we've seen, we've seen her like flat out quit on the court before uh, and just start going through the motion. She's going to have to, to X that out. And I'm, I have no idea what she did in the offseason. She really, to me, has a high ceiling. So I want to see and, and kind of see where she is because I know we enjoyed backing her for a little while there. And then it was like as soon as she had a little bit of success, she didn't handle it very well. So um, I want to see how she handled the offseason. And maybe she could be a dark horse candidate as we continue to do these streams and preview these outrights. Yeah. Uh, what do you think here? How, how are you seeing this match, Jorge? 
Uh, it's just it's just not one that uh, I'm all too keen. I think there's going to be some interesting spots where I'll really be looking to see how uh, how the books line things um, in uh, in those matches. And I don't. This isn't one of them. I don't think that I'm going to be uh, heavily involved, if at all. Tastovich is playing Ikiri, Ikiri. Jorge, usually you're pretty good at these. Any any idea how what we do with this one? I'd go with Ulrike Ikeri. That's just because it's the way it's spelled in English. I don't know Norwegian pronunciation that well. Anyway, Sastovich playing someone that maybe we're not too familiar with. I mean, Sastovich would be a big favorite here. It should be quite a large spread. Isn't Goff playing? uh, Yeah, it's Goff against... uh, I'm sorry. I'm all mixed up here. Sorry. Goff versus Ikeri. Sastovich has got a qualifier. Anyway, same kind of handicap here. I mean, Goff should be a pretty solid favorite. Some pretty big numbers. She generally doesn't blow people out, but... Maybe this is different. Um, what do you think, Jorge? Any angles? Uh, very different. I think it's one of those things where you're going to be measuring, and the books are going to do this too. They're going to measure the fact that she should be somewhere in the seven to seven and a half game um, favorite area. And I think because it's first match back, and what if she takes three or four games to get acclimated? You know, they might bump it down to a, a six and a half. But I think it's just so hard to to look at six or six and a half and not look at it and be like, how do you not play the most square? Um, kind of play on the board in the first round because this is uh, <laughs> Coco is just infinitely better um, than I carry. I remember this isn't a case of like I carry being a relative unknown player who prefers clay and these young. I mean, she's a 28 year old at this point. Um, primarily, I believe an ITF clay grinder, uh, just not someone that you're looking to ever get involved with at WTA level uh, on a hard court. She got in as an alternate and, you know, it's not a fun matchup for her in the first round as Coco Goff can really use this as a beautiful, almost practice session, like warm-up uh, match to, to to get ready and get her uh, feet under her. And I think that something like 6-3, 6-2 is probably, would be almost a good result for Ikeri. So if you can get like a six and a half, seven game spread, uh, this could be a 6-1, 6-1 very easily, very easy. I'd probably, I'd, probably, I'd probably line it around eight and then maybe take, you know, a half game off just because uh, it is the first match of the year for Goff and, it could take a while to settle, but I, I think this is somewhere in the eight range. Fred Mladenovich Muguruza. What are you seeing here? I expect Muguruza to be a pretty solid favorite. Again, you know, I know you're not betting too many things here, but what do you expect maybe the line to look like? Uh, you know, what might Muguruza or Mladenovich have to be for you to really get excited about and making a wager? Maybe even something. Similar. I'm not wagering no matter what. I mean, Muguruza sets a wager on in the middle of the season. Right. I mean, she's so up and down and now we're going to the first game back. I'm guessing they're going to put her at 1.6 as the favorite. What do you guys think for that price? Oh, that's, uh, I, I would better backing her there. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I mean, she's, she's probably got to be minus 300. Like we're talking about closer to like 1.33 there to me. I mean, maybe I minus 250, say, but I was going to say I'd have, I would think they'll, they'll open Modenovic around uh, somewhere between three and three and a half. So plus 200 to plus 250 is I think okay. where I'd, I'd expect to see, um, Ladenovich, and she's the type of player who could very well, you know, hit with Muguruza, uh, control her game a tad for one match, and and who knows, upset her. But um, yeah, I think that I think that it won't, I don't think it'll be that close in terms of uh, the pricing. Well, okay, so I I overrate Kiki a bit, but you know, going back to our early earlier scenario where we're doing hypotheticals, I mean, Kiki can hang around and does have the serve to pull out a tiebreaker, right? Hold a bunch of service games, so I guess that's why I had it closer than you guys. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I've been burned so many times by Garbine. It's so tough to back her as a favorite. Yeah. So tough to back her as a favorite. 
Yeah, and if you do, yeah, I mean, you got to make it through a bunch of, you know, you, if she's looking real good one week, you've just got to keep it, keep going with her because she she's a very streaky player. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think you're right. She can definitely be a little flaky here, but, I mean, it's Ledenovic. She's no another one. Than her. Well, these are actually two players that I'm worried about what they did on the offseason. Going back to Coco, I mean, if we can bet, like, that she worked on her game and that she's going to come back looking more dynamic and better than ever and having new wrinkles to her game and having developed things, I would bet that, she, that that's going to happen. Both Garbeen and uh, and Kiki, I, I don't know what they did this offseason. I don't know if they come back as the same exact player or even worse. I mean, they're both financially set for life. I did see different posts of them, like, you know, having a lot of fun. Now, who knows what that really means? Um, but, yeah, I think these are two tough ones to see how they're going to come back, you know. Yeah, I, again, I don't think I'll be making a wager here, but I expect Muguruza to win this match, and, you know, I don't see me but attacking at any particular huh? stuff there. So yeah, by your price, I would. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If if you know, bet spread or whatever opens it at one point. Yeah. Point six, <laughs> bet spread is, um, be out of business. <laughs> what's that like? Minus one seventy. Yeah. Yeah. I was like that minus like one eighty. Minus one eighty. Minus one ninety. That I was thinking they're yeah. going to put her out. Yeah. Well, it's would. Or and I would be jumping all over that. We'd lose our uh, accounts. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Sabalenka, Herzog. Um, another match, kind of similar, honestly, to the handicap we just talked about. Sabalenka should be a big favorite, but she likes to dump a set. Herzog is the kind of player that might push her to, um, you know, have an over here. So I think this is for me an over spot or pass. Um, you know, Jorge, what do you think? I mean, does Sabalenka come out here and take care of business? I'm pretty sure we're outdoors this week, so um, she shouldn't be at the peak of her powers. Ryan, as Snye's uh, friend of the show, likes to uh, really got into and exploited last towards the end of last year, the uh, the latter first set overs. Um, not exactly something that are, you know, you didn't see him posting it about WTA an awful lot because <laughs> clearly it's just not as uh, as prominent to get those long uh, sets. Yeah. Right. But I think this is a spot where I, open of the season takes a while to get your feet out. They both break twice, hold a couple of times. This could be a spot because remember with the WTA, because it happens less often, less often, you're going to get much better prices if you do choose to back it. And I think this is a spot where I'd consider um, looking at uh, a first set over, um, depending on, of course, depending on the pricing. But it would have to be like it would be like ten and a half for it to get to seven five or seven six, maybe an over nine and a half, depending on who serves first. Like if Sabalenka serves first. Um, then they assume she's going to win the set six three. Maybe live you can get the over nine and a half, the, a, probably plus money if not better. Um, and then you know what? It's not going to. It's probably going to be very not sweaty. Uh, the opposite of a sweat, just because uh, she's either going to win like six love six one, and you're like, okay, well there goes the nine and a half. It's gone. Or it'll be like three three, and you're like, there it is. I just need one game from each, and um, we can we can uh, chill out. I would actually take it a step further. Just go over 10 and a half games in either set because that's going to be a pretty decent plus money number there. So 7-5 anyone, 7-6 anyone. If you've got yes on a tiebreaker, I think there could actually be some value there. Um, I think there is a chance for there to be a one long set here, but I think it's just a long match. I mean, overs are past for, for me, obviously, whenever I'm looking at Sabalenka. Spread, what do you think? So – Hercog is someone that I got wrong, and I feel like I underrated last year. Uh, I agree with everything you guys say about the match. What do you guys think about her for 2021, and how should I be kind of viewing or valuing her as someone who wasn't able to do it very well last year? Uh, He's fine. Just just look at the results from last year. Wait her a bit. Wait her. Give her a bit more credit on clay. Um, Just a very kind of pedestrian player who you love to back in that. She's like – 
a lot like Arantxa Roos. I mean, even in, in terms of build, like that tall, lanky frame with a good first serve who prefers clay. Like it's that kind of player who, if you see a spot where she's, you know, six to one against Serena, like that Arantxa Roos match, I'll never, ever, ever, ever forget uh, last year. <laughs> that I couldn't believe ended up losing, but those types of things where if you can get like three to one against a top 25 player on clay, these are the types of players where you can really attack it because the, that kind of golf just does not exist uh, on the WTA like it does on the ATP. And I think that's kind of where you kind of have to make your hay uh, as an underdog better is with these types of, of mid ranked mid range players that have uh, preferences on a surface and that do have good quality to certain aspects of their game. All right, yeah, that's, I think that was a pretty good breakdown. Yeah, I like that. Let's keep going forward here. Tom Leandovich, Lin Zhu. Um, uh, Tom Leandovich will be a favorite here, but uh, I don't know. I, I actually might make this match a little closer than maybe the books would spread. What do you think here? I know you like Tom Lee quite a bit. Um, you know, are you, What price are you going to be looking again? I know you're a wimp and you're not going to bet anything, but I'm what not. price would you really need to bet Tom Leandovich here? Come on. Placate me. <laughs> like minus one ten. <laughs> I mean, it would have to be like egregious. First of all, I don't think I, we What's talk egregious? about players that I haven't watched. Lin Zhu. I'm trying to think of when I watched her because we didn't have an Asian swing this year, so now I got to go back to like my 2018. I don't remember watching her a lot uh, in the Northern America and the European tournaments. Jorge, you want to give me a quick breakdown of her game? Just I can't stand trying to handicap Lin Zhu matches, man. I just never get them right when she's a huge underdog. Someone to ask about this would be Steve, to be honest. Okay. Uh, I think he's someone that's won a few times where she's like a, you know, four and a half or three and a half to one or 4.50. And he really knows her game well and who she can really trouble. I just don't get it right. I think sometimes when I see her against a big hitter and she can trouble them and force errors out of them, she loses like one and one. And then he'll do the same thing against another big hitter. Um, but have kind of a different angle and she'll win in straights. And I think he's probably more adept at this. I just want nothing right. to do with handicapping this match. Noops, that's your mission. We uh, on the the uh, next pod that you're going to do because I know that you know you're juggling all these different uh, media engagements. We expect you to to um, ask Steve about this, and uh, uh, we'll be watching along and I'll be taking notes. Uh huh. Put putting a pin in it. Thank you. <laughs> next up. Wang Yifan's got a qualifier, so we'll skip that. This match could be really interesting. This could be like just a wild junk ball kind of thing. Both players could get hurt simultaneously. <laughs> um, Pavly Uchenkova is playing Alms Jabora here. I think this just could be a great match. I'm actually probably going to find a way to talk myself into Pavly Uchenkova as a dog because I would make Jabora a pretty decent favorite here. She put up some pretty stellar numbers in the short hardcourt season we had last year. I'm looking at like 22 and 9 on hard courts with a whole break above 110%, um, you know, against a player with an average rank. Well, not fantastic, right? A little less than 100, but this is some pretty stelly numbers, even against that, that kind of competition. Um, Jorge, what do you see in here? What do you kind of expect this line to be? Any angles that you might want to exploit here? Yeah, I have Shabura, a very, very strong favorite. I'm not going to say heavy favorite, um, because that might go over it, you know, politically yeah, correctly. Kind of down body chain. I mean, who am I to talk? Look at this. It's, hello. I can say it. I, I can say uh, it. Okay. Uh, uh, but, um, <laughs> I like that. That was total. Uh, but uh, yeah, I had to blow my own spot up there, though. Yeah, I have her a, a fairly strong favorite here. Not anything, you know, in the 1.5 range, but uh, I'd have her around $1.70, $1.75. Um, I think that's what, minus 
140 to minus 135 yeah. range area. Right, the 140 um, range. Yeah, I think that's probably reasonable. I think um, Pav might actually be an intriguing option for a lot of people. I, this is going to be a very – this is they're all subjective matches when you're handicapping. But this one in particular I think could really divide opinions. I think if I set that line for someone, um, you know, a certain part of the the betting population in tennis would end up hammering, um, you know, the plus money for Pav over there. I think I can see why people have it to pick up. I prefer it. I prefer Jabour here uh, to – to Stasia Pavlyuchenkova. Um, and if it's a pick'em, I think I'll probably bet Jabour. And if it's not a pick'em, I think someone else like Noops will probably bet Pavlyuchenkova. I think those are your two options. Uh, I don't think many people have Pavs a heavy favorite here. Could be wrong. Uh, but I, I, I'm not sure that is a situation that could arise. Uh, but if, if someone has Pavs as a favorite, I I will, by all means, I would love to take Jabour at plus money here. Yeah. Uh, as someone had said, he's excited to take Pavs. If she's the favorite here, all over Jabour. Um, this she's is just not, a spot, yeah, right? I think you might get a juicy number. Favorite. No, she she won't be. I, I can't see anyone uh, putting Pavlyuchenkova opening her as the favorite. Maybe so, for some reason the market uh, bets her from a pick them down to like maybe minus one twenty five, minus one thirty early, and then then you'll see a ton of buyback on the other side, including from yours truly. Uh, but yeah, I think pick them is if I'm a, if I'm a bookmaker at, at this talking about this match, I I probably open it to pick them even if I have Jabour at really? seventy. Uh, this is a very close match, man. I don't think these not much separates these two. Not this the same style at all, but these are two very good players who, you know, as underdogs, probably performed very well um, in terms of if you find the right matchup uh, for your return on investment. Um, but I wouldn't want to have either of these as as heavy favorites because who, put it this way: if you either open of these, if you open either of these women as underdogs, I think you're going to find yourself with early liability on one side and, and kind of praying for some buyback. I would just open it to pick them and let the one side let the sides fight it out, move them 10 cents in either direction. Just kind of sit in that perfect uh, spot. I don't think you'd, you'd have too much liability either way. I'd have, I have Jabor the favorite personally, but um, I wouldn't be surprised to, if they open it to pick them for that reason. I'd have Jabor maybe hang an expensive minus three you know, kind of from a game spread kind of perspective. So I have a little more faith in her. It sounds like maybe than you do, Jorge, but, you know, we're both kind of thinking right. the same yeah. way. Um, yeah, if they open the a pick them, I might break my rule and bet that because I, I don't think she should be a pick em. especially this is the closest thing that she's got to a Come tournament. Bets. Make spread bet. Make spread bet. I, I don't think it's going to happen, though. I think that she's, <laughs> she's going to be the clear favorite. I can dream. <laughs> Judge me. <laughs> Carolina Mahova's got Donka Kovinich here. Mahova should be the pretty solid favorite, but Kovinich is not um, without the talent or the opportunity here to take advantage of a, a low spot if Mahova comes back in you know, less than great shape. What do you see here, Jorge? Um, I think Donka really surprised me on hard courts later in the season last year, uh, if I recall correctly. I might not, uh, but I'm pretty sure I was surprised at uh, how she looked. I think Carolina is an easy four-game favorite here. This is one where at three and a half, I mean, a, a break a set at or and or a lopsided set and a three-set win is something that I, I think is very bettable. So um, I'd have this around uh, probably right around that four mark. I don't think I'd be uh, pushing myself off to line it at four and a half. So uh, somewhere in the solid, solid, you know, dollar forty to dollar fifty range. I think that's like minus two hundred to minus two twenty-five range. Um, is probably where you'll see this end up opening. If she opens up even even more of a favorite, I think you're gonna you're gonna find that value where a true value better will take Kavinich. Um, but a lot of play, people who 
you know, want to make sure their win percentage remains high as well as finding value, that combo better won't uh, won't touch it. Spread. We've got Kasakina and Wang Jiang. I thought, have you named a cat after Wang Jiang yet? No, but that sounds like a good idea. Hopefully what do you think here? Couple episodes. What I, do you I, think I, here? I mean, what do you line in this match here? I mean, who's the favorite? Um, you know, we're, we're going to spread bet. What do you got? It has to be Wong. Yeah, it does. Yeah. 1.7. Love you trying to do the decibels. Yeah, yeah. I can't, you can see my you can see it all turning minus 140. Jorge corrected me with US odds. That was perfect. What a year. It was what a year odds. this is gonna be. <laughs> do you think that's about where the number will be though? Yeah, I, I never think, yeah, yeah, I, I think that's pretty solid. I might have Wong maybe a little bigger of a favor, kind of like 150 yeah. in that 1.67 range, yeah. maybe something a little more than that. Um, but go ahead, Jorge. Sorry. No, I agree. I agree with that. I think that's where it probably belongs. Um, but I was my answer was going to be if it gets anywhere beyond Dasha into the plus 130, 135, 140. If I see a plus 150, I'll be on that. Uh, really? For sure. Okay, uh, cool. If it gets there, I don't think it will. I think you've got, I think as a group, we've kind of come to a consensus on where that line should be in that one dollar 67 to dollar 80 dollar uh, 71 range which i think is minus 145 minus 140 maybe minus 150 is probably where it belongs i can see um the market though maybe betting it more or maybe them opening it irresponsibly at about a dollar 57 i think which is like minus 180 and then again yeah i'd probably be very close to betting dasha at that plus money I love to yeah. hear that because I don't really have high hopes for her year. She's another one that I don't know how much tennis she played during this whole break. This could be one of those Wong matches did. that has the lowest combined serve speed ever. <laughs> it's like watching marshmallows. Yeah. Or Pong on delay. Another Wong. Wong Ji-Yu is playing uh, Ronsta Roos. Um, Roos is probably going to be a small favorite here. This is a tough one for me to line because Wong has better numbers, but it gets kind of a much worse competition here. Um, Jorge, um, what are you thinking here? What number are you kind of, what would you hang? What do you expect to see? I mean, this is one, I think, for those who want to get acquainted with, you know, players that aren't in that upper echelon, really want to kind of do some tape study. This is going to be a fun one to watch. I believe Ji-Yu, there's Jin-Yu and Ji-Yu, and I always forget uh, forget which one's the lefty. I believe Ji-Yu is a lefty. So this is actually, I believe, a lefty on lefty battle. I don't want to, mm -hmm. you know, exclaim it or proclaim it and then have someone in the chat, you know, scream at me, you're wrong. But um, I'm like 90% sure this is uh, lefty on lefty. So... I really like Ji-Yu, but she, I think she's she's a little too error-prone for me. And I think she'll be a, a slight dog here, and I think that's where it belongs. If it's like plus 200 or $3, I'm all over it. But I, I think it's going to be in that in that responsible kind of uh, plus 120, plus 130 range. And I think that's that's probably about right. Arantxa is a, is a very solid player. She can play on hard courts, even though I, she probably prefers the clay. Um, but, you know... I think two taller women who can who can hit first serves, but Arantxa's just got a much more consistent game behind her, uh, and she's she'll be a deserved favorite, I would expect here. Yeah, you're correct. This Wong is indeed a left-hander, and I think you're right. If, if we get a chance to take her as a dog at some of those numbers, that'll be intriguing. Spread, what do you think of Vondrasova's Shea here? Um, Vondrasova is somebody that has some nice numbers, has had some up performances and plenty of down performances, although this is not the, the spot for where Shea usually signs. I mean, I expect Vondrasova to be a big favorite. What do you think, Spread? I think this is kind of a crappy spot for Vondrasova to start her season. She's going against a completely crafty player, someone who can kind of get her off her game, 
Um, and we saw that she kind of had problems last year uh, with consistency. And if anyone's going to, um, you know, diagnose and then exploit those problems quickly, it's going to be Shay. Um, I mean, what do you think? Is this going to – if I took Shay, could I get four games? And I know that you usually say take the dog, but this is one of the games where I might take the spread. When Shay loses, she loses by a lot. Yeah, that's the problem. When Vonder Silva wins – she can win by a lot. Like when so she's you feeling say, it, if I she, like Shay here to take the money line, just take it. And you know what? I think this is a spot where you very well could. Yeah. It'll be interesting. We'll see what numbers open there. Fernandez against Paolini. You know, what do you think of the Canadian here? Jorge Paolini actually put up a couple of nice performances uh, on hard courts, but um, she's a scrapper. I mean, is, is this a good spot for Fernandez? Yeah. But, but so is Layla. She's good off both wings. She generates for her height. She's tiny. I think she's like five, four. Very short. I don't know what that is in centimeters because that's the one thing we do up here on the American, <laughs> what is it, imperial system? It's the one yeah. thing we do. Our height, not on our driver's licenses. It's like centimeters on our driver's licenses. But we go in casual uh, speak. She's about 5'3", five, 5'4", five, and she generates a decent amount on her first serve behind that. It's really impressive. Um, and yeah, she's just better than Pauline, even on hard courts. Uh, I want to see what this is because if it's even remotely close, like I have this as her as a Big favorite. Um, anything um, for uh, even four and a half, I'd be tempted. Um, she could lose outright, but this is one of those things where if she loses outright, fine. I, I, if if I can sell all the games in the world and she loses outright, I don't care. Yeah. I may as well have that instead of buying a game, right? She loses either way. Um, I don't I think see, she's going to win mean. a close one. I don't think she's going to win a close one. I think if she wins, it'll be it'll be a, a nice six three six three win. And if you can get to like minus five. And that to me is almost like you're selling, but you're still buying that insurance on a six three six four kind of thing. Um, I think that that really intrigues me. I'm hoping it's around three and a half to four games that I can sell. Yeah, I like what, exactly what you said. If Fernandez wins, it should be by quite a few games. So let's sell some games there. Brady's playing against a Danzig again. Not the Xantix surface or conditions here. I think Brady will be a pretty big favorite. Any disagreement from either of you? If this was on clay, I think we'd see some respect for Zidancic, and I'd actually, ready for this, bet Jen Brady. Um, wow. But it's not on clay. It's on hard court, and I think Zidancic's going to get all the respect she deserves, which is not a whole heck of a lot. So, pass. Spread, Donna Vekic, Bernardo Pera. What do you think that line should look like? Vekic, mm. 1.5? Yeah, I think, you know what, right. I actually think that's exactly where it should be, and I think it's actually going to be um, juicier. Like, I think she's mm. she'll, she'll end up $1.35 to $1.40, and Ooh. I think, I believe spread has it right. I think it's probably more deserving around $1.50, maybe even $1.60. Para is no slouch, man, and her problem last year was closing matches. If you remember, there were at least two matches, including Serena Williams, um, leading into the U.S. Open in, I believe it was in Kentucky. It was Lexington, I believe they played, where um, she was up a set and a break and just collapsed. And I think she did it again against someone else that's in that top 25 range. She just can't close matches against better players. But, man, Donna's is not exactly, you know, misconsistent. I, she, I don't think she'll need to close matches against Donna. I think Donna could close that match for her if she gets ahead. And I'm going to be really interested, despite the fact that I kind of really want to take a 75 to 1 outright on Donna, I think there might be value opposing her in the first round. It's like it's one of those things where you're almost hedging a friggin' outright from the get-go, right? Next match, I've got Podoroska minus 11 and a half games over Sarah Sorup is Torna. Um, 
What do you guys think of that match there? I mean, so Torvo got some respect in some of those hardcore events late last year. I actually think there's a chance we get Potteroska like better than minus 200 or 1.5, if you will. And I'm just going to be lining up and just dumping. Uh, just, I'm going to need a new place to live if, if she doesn't win that match, if that's what the price is. I mean, Jorge, what do you, what do you make this here? I mean, obviously, I it's make, not 11 and a half. But, I know. make this um, where she won 10 games in a row against Arena Sabalenka on a hard court before she ended up losing the next 12, the most scoreline. That was the scoreline that epitomized 2020, right, right there. Um, that's pretty spectacular. But it was six love, four love on a hard court and didn't win another game. But uh, Potoroska, I trust a lot more on a hard court than Tormo already. She's just as consistent. Um, she's got a little bit more to her game in terms of being able to hit. Um, yeah, I'm definitely going to be uh, looking to to find a way. Hopefully it's not, you know, Potoroska had that run at the French, even though it's off surface. Like that kind of recency bias like sticks in people's minds. And I'm wondering if almost it, they'll just open it almost unbackable. Uh, and I'm hoping not. I'm hoping we get something uh, in that four and a half range, four range. Cause I think she does win this easily. Yeah. Ooh, I sell all the games spread. <laughs> Sorona Kirstea, our favorite playing against Carolina Pliskova here in the first round. What do you think? And can we start our, our Pliskova fade again? I know you're not betting, but you know, maybe Kirstea is like, could we get like a plus 400 or something goofy like that? And no, no, Ooh. no, I don't think we'll get something like that. If we do, I mean, you can't not take that, right? You can't. Yeah, last. Be, I'm thinking like 3.5 plus 250. Yeah. yeah, I think that's probably. Kirstea had a nice year. Last I year. agree. It, it, it yeah. could be in that range, but I, I think we might get something with a, with a plus three on it. I mean, plus 400, I was being facetious, but I think there's a chance we see plus 325, plus 350 here. I mean. This is where not knowing the court speed is killing us. Because yeah. if it was slower, Kirstea would be so much more attractive as a dog. Um, I want if it's quick though, I wouldn't want any part of it. I'm I'm She's wondering if the market gets us there. If the market just throws her in a bunch of, this will be a bet late for sure. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. This is not something I'm right. going to attack early. I'll, I'll wait till uh, as late as possible, probably to swing at this one. Because you know, especially if she's up late on court, where like she's going to be the last leg of every parlay, and the books are just like begging you to take your stay, willing to throw that price way out there to cover some of that liability. Um, I think that's where you'll end up with a nice price on your stay. I think the market's going to get us there more than uh, than the opening lines of the books will. Merton's Cornet. I make Merton's a pretty solid favorite here. I wonder if we do get a chance to to take Merton's minus four or less here. Um, spread. What do you think of this match? Yeah, let's, I'm, I'm all over Mertens. I think that this is one of the safest bets in the first round, regardless of what they put it at. What do you expect the number to be, Jorge? Yeah, I think five games. Um, and Cornet is a tricky one where she either, again, it's it, there's so many of these spots in the WTA where she either loses, like, you know, she's going to lose one and one, or she's going to take it three, and it's going to be seven, five, six, seven, seven, five. Um, and you just can't. You, you could justify taking either side of that. When you can justify taking both sides of a bet, it's almost worth it to just not, you know, pass, right? <laughs> like that's what that's what the book wants. They want they in their mind they have two outcomes. They want everyone to bet on one of them, and then they get to pick up the change that's left in the middle. So uh yeah, I I would pass here. Savastava so Bedosa. I make Bedosa a favorite in this match, and I think I'm gonna get a chance to better as a dog. Yeah. What do you I think, think this line's gonna look like, Jorge? <sighs> I mean, wow. When's the last time Anastasia showed us anything at all? 
Uh, and I, I wonder if, like, the market has not caught up on Bedosi yet. Like, her and Bolsova, Bolsova more so, not in terms of talent, but in terms of kind of the conflation of Spanish flag with clay court specialist. That has been, and it's both sides now, men's and women's. And this is a lot, I think, has to do with Nadal when he really emerged to be an all-court all player. I think a lot of young players grew up trying to play all courts as well, as opposed to that traditional just clay uh, kind of thing. And I think Bolsova is actually a better hardcore than clay quarter. And that's why we get a ton of value with her. I think Bedosa isn't quite disrespected that much or isn't that unknown to the market, but there's still definitely a discrepancy there where people don't realize that she's a very quality hard quarter and they don't give her a chance. So I think this is going to be an interesting one against an out of form, uh, Sevastova who hasn't shown us anything in who knows how long. Yeah, this will be yeah. one of the ones I'm excited to see the opener. Sorry, Sprite, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I think this is going to be, I mean, if you're looking to bet the dog here, I think you're going to get it because uh, everything that you said is true, but uh, Sevastova still got, you know, like the Grand Slam pedigree. She's made runs, right? She's beaten top players. Um, so I just think that just that name value is still there. Um, and the fact that her form was so bad, the time has been elapsed so much that they're going to default back to maybe – you know, her median, and I, I, I don't see how she's not a, a, a favorite here at like 1.7 or better. I, I think so, too. Looking here at the next match, um, we've got Contivate played against Kudermatova. All right, let's go. Excuse My me, favorite, there, sorry about that. Um, I mean, it's this is one of the ones where as I start to look at the data, you know, I went through and, and kind of scrubbed and did some stuff. I mean, I might have to like kind of change my colors here a little bit. Um, I know you guys are just going to love this. So take oh a God. second here, you know, get comfortable. Um, Contivate was awesome on our course last year. <laughs> she had like a whole no. break above 110. I was absolutely <laughs> blew it away. I never knew time this. in her entire I never, career. I never knew she was good on hard courts. I'm, you guys have been saying this for years, and at no point has her whole break been like north of 105. She was at like 110 last year, just blowing people out like in, in some really good matches. So this is a spot where again, you know, I, I talked about me love Bet Kudrovatova having the ticket upstairs. She's my girl, but God. I gotta make Kudra, I gotta make Contivate a pretty solid favorite here. I mean, Jorge, what do you think? Yeah, I think she will be, and I think at that point, I'm almost I'm almost waiting to see whether it's in past territory or whether Kudamatova is backable. I mean, she shouldn't be a huge dog by any means. This is not a 60-40 match, right? This is if she gets to you know plus one fifty or two dollars fifty cents. I think you're most certainly. Um, back in Kudermatova, I think this is like a 55-45 situation more than a 60-40. Uh, so it, it's really going to be price dependent here. I probably have it, like I said, 55% uh, on the implied probabilities for um, uh, Contivate. She should still be a, you know, she does have the edge for sure, but not by not by a, a wide margin by any means. I, I think Fred it would be priced higher. I think that if Jorge... I would make it higher than that. I really would. Yeah. Kudermatova was not good last year. Not to mention around 500 with some bad hold break numbers. Contavites just got more of like the name. That's at 100. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that you might end up uh, on Kudermatova there if that's what you have it lined at, Jorge. Yeah. yeah. I'm just not. I'm not ready to start my year with a Contavate bet, but. Oh, just now that you guys know that I'm fantastic. capable of change. I'm capable of growth. If you did that, I mean, boy, the celebration here would be unbelievable. Anything possible, fireworks. folks? 
Alexandrova's playing Diaz here. I make Alexandrova a prohibitive favorite. Um, I, this is one of the ones where I make the money line really big, but the spread would still probably be four and a half instead of like five or six or something like that because Alexandrova, you know, doesn't mind a seven five seven six kind of affair to, to start things off. Jorge, what do you what do you see here? What do you make in this one? Yeah. Uh, I mean, like Diaz is another one of those players that always gets me. Like she competes in matches where I write her off. And then in matches where I have her somewhat competing, she just no-shows. So um, Katarina Alexandrova should be in the $1, $30, range. Um, but Diaz is, like, she's no slouch, but she it's one of those things where Diaz is not a bad player, but Alexandrova still shouldn't have problems getting through her, um, if you know what I mean, in, in that sense. And I, I think they'll probably have this about right. I don't think they're going to get carried away and have her at a dollar fifteen or a dollar twenty, where I'd have to look at again betting against an outright that I that I found value in the very first round. Uh, but who knows? You know, first week of the season, they might they might be shading favorites very very heavy and just begging people to to parlay the favorites that the public loves to do. So um, we shall see. Um. Jumping to the next match here, Zvana Reva against Farrow. I would have Zvana Reva favored here. I'm curious to see what this line opens here. Farrow's maybe a little better on hard courts than people give her credit, but the data has yet to catch up. Spread, do you have any kind of first reactions here to you know what maybe you might hang the line or, or what you might expect here? I mean, Zvana Reva is going to be the favorite. It's just how much. Should be about minus, I think, minus 125 to minus 130. I have it. Really? I, I was thinking it'd be a little bit more. Yeah, she might be more, but I, I don't think she should be. I think Pharaoh's Pharaoh's not just a clay court. I think she's got a game that can that can push on hard courts as well. And that's where I was wondering. I was gonna say I, her hard court results haven't been that memorable to me. Memorable to me, but we're just jumping back into this too, just like the players. You know, like uh, all of these names and all these synapses in my brain are coming back that haven't talked and haven't discussed for a while. So um, just she, because I don't remember her not being good on hard courts doesn't mean that she isn't. Like last year, it's really hard to tell because she played, I think, how many tour matches? Uh, four tour level, one qualies, lost a kind of close second set, blow up first set to Watson. She beat Peterson, but via retirement, tied in the first set, lost to Watson again, but again, another tiebreak set. You know, the Aussie, she hammered Van Utvank, but then got Which, killed by yeah, uh, Wong. And then she didn't play any other hardcore tennis other than pandemic kind of exhibitions where she didn't lose anything, but played a bunch of, you know, Mladenovic twice. Uh, she beat her both times in three sets. But other than that, she played absolutely no one near her level. So, um, but I do think her game, like if I translate her game from clay to, to hard, it's not that traditional clay game. It's it's something that can translate and that I would like to see. I don't think I'd have, you know, it was minus 200. And if it is, I'll probably be backing Farah. Last match, Jessica Gula playing Alina Svitolina here. Um, this is one where I, I think Pagula is going to be a, a decent dog, and, and I'm going to be looking to back her here, frankly. She had a really nice run last year, and you know, Svitolina was solid, but not her normal self. And we'll start with you here, Jorge. You know, what are you making this line? Oh, man. <laughs> I hate doing this piece. I'm trying to put bias aside while I do this, but also, like, you know, I know Svitolina frustrates the hell out of her fans with her results. So also trying to put that out of it um, or maybe let both in and that kind of balances it out. I don't know. But I, I think that ultimately um, Alina will be like a dollar 40 to dollar 50 here. Uh, probably deservedly. I still think Pagula at a, at a nice high number uh, would be backable. I think she, does she win this 33% of the time? Yes. I think anything $3 or over, I'd be very tempted to fade Svitolina in the very first round with Pagula. 
What do you think here, Spread? I mean, are, are you on board or uh, anything, any differing opinions? I No, actually, I don't. But I did have a question for you guys. Both these players, I'm kind of interested in your season-long outlooks for them. Um, both Pagula and Svitolina, I think, have interesting potential to have widely variant results. So I uh, want to know what you guys are expecting from each of these players uh, for 2021. Yeah, Pagula is somebody I'm excited about. I, I like her talent. I think she continues to get better. We'll see if she takes kind of that next step forward. I think she has a chance to be somebody that pops kind of in some of the smaller events. And Svitolina, you know, I think it'll be kind of business as is. You know, she'll come through, win a couple kind of mid-level tournaments, maybe make a run or two into like a close to a quarterfinal, maybe in a slam. But yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't think I have any outrageous opinions on either. What do you think, Corey? Um. I think that it's it's one of those things where they're on. Pagula is someone who doesn't really. I don't think has she really you know amazed us with one massive breakout result. I think she's someone who's built slowly but surely to being a very very good player. And I think if you extrapolate that towards this season, I think you're looking for a title somewhere, probably a 250, um, which will garner 280 points. Don't forget the points are still 280. It's just called a 250. Unbelievable. Uh, you know, rant of the day. WTA. Um, <laughs> but uh, maybe I'll buy WTEH.com as a Canadian podcast <laughs> name. Right? WTA yeah. Rant of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but um, you know, I think that uh, she's someone who will continue to build. That's been her MO. Uh, and, and I think a, a title somewhere on the, the horizon for her this season. Um, I think she might have won a really small one before. I don't think she's, she's really won anything big yet. It could be a mistake, I, but I'm pretty sure she hasn't. Uh, and Svitolina is someone who has to prove that she's still elite. I think last year was kind of a wake-up call for her, and it's it's put up or shut-up time. Frankly, that's, that's what it is, and I think she could go either way. She could continue to decline. Uh, or she could really, you know, come back in a strong way and hopefully uh, continue to push. I was I don't know if it was last year or the year before where she made a semi at a slam and, you know, actually had one of her better slam years, but she didn't look nearly as good anywhere else. And I think it kind of really put a damper on on the excitement around her. Um, I think it was semifinal at Wimbledon, and I, I believe Serena crushed her. Uh, or Simona crushed her. It was, it was one of the two, I believe. And like that was her best result ever at a slam. Um, but even that, there was just not a lot of hype because you knew she was going to lose that semifinal badly. Uh, so I'd like to see her kind of get, get deep in a slam this year where you're not just writing her off. I think that's the key for her right now. Yeah, I think Svitolina is a player that I'm really wondering how much longer she plays. She seems pretty happy. She's made a lot of money. Yeah. Um, she got a ton of endorsements back in Ukraine too. Tons yeah, of man. endorsements. What else is there really for her to do? And I don't like what improvements does she need to make to, to go ahead and beat these top players? Like, I don't understand how she's magically going to start hanging with these hitters that we always certainly when we do the, like the grand slam draws, we always just circle. Oh, she's playing the hitter there. That's where she's probably going to get knocked out. Right. right. And, and it usually then, is where it happens. Yeah. Yeah. And then if she gets, you know, a bunch of other players that are more defensive oriented like her, we go, okay, well, she's going to win all these matches because she's playing other defensive players, but she's better at playing defense. Like a lot of these players do what Spitalina does, just not as well. Um, but I don't see her being able to, I mean, really it would be developing like a top flight serve that would allow her to hold easier. Um, and I just, I don't know if I see that happen. I mean, um, she's always been known for her hard work and it's just so funny that she's 
you know, dating and romantically linked with someone who's not known for his hard work at all and just sliding by on his talent. You know, and we saw that he seemed to work a little harder, but how much of him is rubbing off on her? So I think Svitolina is, like, from a fan's perspective, her 2021 is, is just like a fascinating uh, yeah, so high variance. I mean, she could come back completely focused and win a couple of those clays, Masters 1000s, right? um it's a know, proving ground for sure yeah she's always done well in the in the masters 1000s right um it's just in the grand slam when she goes up against hitters she gets blown off the court so uh and pagula yeah i think you guys hit it on the head but i think she's another one that she's gonna be fun to watch and because she doesn't necessarily have the name yet as we continue to do these outright pods i think that we'll be talking about her and, and backing her with some money all right, gentlemen, I think we've covered just about any and everything. So thank you so much. Thanks to everybody that watched. Thanks to everybody that listened. Please give us a thumbs up if you're watching this on YouTube. We do have a YouTube channel. I'm not sure if this one's on that one, but we'll figure that out at some point. If you're listening to this on podcast, because we do it live, and then it comes right to podcast. It's the greatest thing in the world. Rating, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. Make sure you follow the account at NetWorth. Pod. If you can follow all three of us at Spread a Stare, at Jorge TWTS Tennis, and myself at underscore noops. All the picks and stuff from us will be popping up. I'm sure Jorge will do a couple free picks if I force him to for the first round there, since we weren't nice enough to hang first round lines, because I love giving away Jorge VIP picks in the first round. My favorite <laughs> pod. We didn't get to do that today, so maybe next week. But thank you, everybody. Thank you, gentlemen. And we'll be back shortly, soon, maybe even tomorrow, to talk yeah. men's tennis. We're we're taking the plunge, so we'll see how we're doing it. That's going to be a heavy Jorge pod, I think, because I definitely need to catch up on uh, on my men's tennis. But looking forward to it, guys, and to everybody listening. Good luck in all 